Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. Today's guest and co-host is actress Alicia Bow, who you know from 13 Reasons Why, Palms, Teen Wolf, and her new Netflix movie, Do Revenge. Alicia and I discussed the challenges of press tours, what happened when her high school classmates discovered she was acting and modeling, learning from bad relationships, being stuck in Rome during quarantine, and a lot more. Our first caller today is Allie, who, after overcoming an eating disorder when she was younger, was understandably upset when her mother-in-law commented on her weight. Allie is wondering how to let her mother-in-law know that the remarks aren't welcome without damaging their relationship. Next, we talk with Simi, who, after getting out of an abusive three-year relationship, almost immediately met someone she really likes. Unfortunately, this new relationship comes with its own challenges, as the guy won't commit, claiming he has plans to move in a year. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Are you in the middle of press for Do Revenge? Yeah, I just had like two hours, three hours. It wasn't too bad. I just came from like an hour break. Oh, God. (laughs) Is there a question that's making you crazy already? I think it's when they always ask you, like, what's the most fun memory you have on set? Or like, who's the prankster? And I'm like, I don't know what to say that's like funny enough. I just don't know how to conjure that up. So I just end up saying something really stupid. But yeah, that's always the question. They've been asking that for 20 plus years now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you're there at like 5 a.m. eating some kind of omelet that was not made with a lot of love. <laughs> <laughs> it's like handed to you in a styrofoam box. You're just really tired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But will you tell us about Do Revenge? It looks really awesome. Yes. It was the first script I read. I was in lockdown. Like it was 2020 sometime. I forget all the months blur together. I know. Yeah. And I was away from home. I read the script. The script was great. I was like, I need to be a part of this. But I was going crazy and I hadn't really read anything. And I'm like, this is so fun. And I've read the first five pages thinking it was going to be like, oh, it's like a teen movie, whatever. And then it was just so twisted and it got really dark and it was funny. And I just needed to be a part of it. And I got to be. So it was really amazing. It woke me up out of thinking I'll never work again in my life. (laughs) I mean, that was my hope for myself. I was like, I'm just going to knit hats. Maybe I'll try to sell them. Yeah. Start an Etsy account. I signed up for community college classes and then never ended up doing it. What is your interest? Like if you decided you never wanted to act again? I always told myself I'd be a psychiatrist, but only because they made more money than a psychologist. So I signed up for like the online Santa Monica ones, and I'm sure I did 
a general ed because I never went to college. I don't even think I finished high school. I'm not sure, but that's another. You're not sure. (laughs) (laughs) They never sent me my diploma, so I'm not sure if I officially graduated. But (laughs) I signed up for probably like an anthropology class and a sociology class and probably some intro to psych class. And then just I had very high aspirations and I didn't see it through because then the pandemic ended. You got to go do a movie. That's rad. Right. Yeah. No complaints. (laughs) So you went to El Camino Real High School. Is that right? Yes. I am always interested in high school because I do think it's four years of your life that can't help but be sort of formative in some ways. How was your experience there? I mean, you were acting, right? Yeah. So I ended up going for two years and then the beginning of my junior year decided to be homeschooled because I wasn't happy at school. And also I was getting like these recurring gigs on TV shows and I was missing a lot of class. And I'm like, this is not sustainable But Elko is this school in the Deep Valley, like basically we're the San Fernando Valley in Woodland Hills, which is like a school of 4,000 kids. And when I was going to school there, they were also busing in kids from inner city. And so you had like extremely wealthy kids from, let's say, Calabasas and Woodland Hills and that part of the valley and then Canoga Park and Reseda. And then you had all these inner city kids I really liked going to that type of school because there was so many different types of people. It wasn't like this very concentrated one part of the world in this school. It was really intense, though, because at the same time, it was so big and there were so many kids. And just remember it being really overwhelming when I first started because, A, I'm just entering puberty and trying to fit in and trying to find your place in this this huge setting. And it's something that I don't really think about a lot now because I realized I just really wasn't happy. Sorry. (laughs) No, don't be apologized. (laughs) I do think if you're acting professionally when you're in high school, it can put you in a vulnerable position. You're either like revered or you're made fun of. Yes. I didn't tell anybody that I was doing anything. Like when I was in Middle school, I would do print jobs, you know, modeling jobs. And there was this magazine, it was called Justice Magazine. It's like limited to for preteens and stuff. And nobody knew that I was an actress or was trying to be that. And this girl brought in the magazine that I was in and just showed everyone in my school and was just making fun of me openly. And then I would walk around and people were staring at me like, oh my gosh, what a weird... It's like, okay, I'm in a magazine. It's not something to be embarrassed about at all. But I was like so ashamed and so embarrassed. I hated talking about it. And then people in high school would see me in a random episode of Modern Family or like CSI or something. And then... It would either be like, oh, I didn't even know that you were interested in acting, or it would be making fun of me and like posting it on Twitter or something. And it was a part of my life that I really kept hidden. Yeah. Have you heard of the idea of like tallest poppy, which is essentially the idea of let's tear down somebody who's aspirational. Yeah. Who's successful. My mom told me that she was taught that as a kid. Uh Uh-huh. She grew up in Norway and she's like... It was frowned upon because it looks like you're showing off. 
and nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. In Do Revenge, Max, the main, let's say, villain, he sends out a revenge porn, you know, just a sex tape that he gets from Drea, played by Cami Mendes, and puts it out in the school to shame her because he is jealous that she's kind of getting everything that he wants and more notoriety from it. So it does address that. And then it goes into this twisted thing of Drea wanting to get revenge on him in the most crazy and creative, funny ways. But yeah, ultimately, what fuels that is Max's jealousy and needing to do something really vindictive and gross and terrible. It's a time in our lives, I guess, when we could potentially be kind of at our ugliest. Although probably as a species, we have that capacity until we die. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) How old were you when you first felt like you were in love? Oh, I was just thinking about this. I'm I'm 25 now, right? So I'm just kind of figuring it out. I thought that I was in love the first time I was in a relationship when I was 18 or 17 or something with some guy that was way older than me. And then I realized after we broke up, oh, that was not love. I think it's really interesting that your first relationship was with somebody significantly older. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I was 17, barely 18. He was like 24, 25, like not okay. And it's something that happens with a lot of girls that I talk to and women I talk to when they're younger. These older men just kind of start these relationships with girls and we think it's okay at that time because we, we don't really think about it being wrong because we are young and we are naive. And then you look back being like, I'm that age now. I can never date someone who's 19 even or 18. Your brain is not ready for that type of relationship. It's not okay at that age. Yeah. So what happened? How did it end? I grew up and realized like, oh, this is not something I want to be in. And this is something that I was manipulated into being in. And I ended up booking 13 Reasons Why while we were in that relationship. And his first reaction was disappointment because I had to move to San Francisco. And then I looked at him and I'm like, this is a really bad relationship I'm in. I need to get out of it. And I broke up with him and it was being able to have distance as well. So that was my first relationship. Didn't date again for three years, understandably so. And I think the first time I was in love was with my ex-boyfriend. And it ultimately didn't end up working out. But that was just because we were long distance and wanted different things in life. I want to hear more about that. But with the first guy, did you still try to make it work for a while? Yeah, it was interesting because I had been like trying to break up with him for a month. But we were so codependent on each other. We were living together I was starting to look for other apartments, but I could barely afford rent by myself. And I didn't really have help from my parents at all, money-wise. And I couldn't live at home. And it was one of those things where I knew that I needed something to happen in order to get out of this relationship and be self-sufficient on my own. And like I was still a kid. I'm barely 19 years old. I remember budgeting on my laptop, trying to See, like, okay, how much do I have from residuals of doing a Sears commercial when I was younger? And that's my savings. And how much can I drain that? And how can I buy groceries? And 
how can I pay rent? It's like you can't afford to break up with somebody. I know. Exactly. Yes. Like I could not afford to break up with him. And there was two things. It was 13 Reasons Why. And then I was testing for Spider-Man at the time. And I was like, these two things. And I'm like, oh, please, just one of them. But in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get either of them. And I found out I didn't get Spider-Man. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a far shot. And then I didn't hear from the show for like a month or something. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I got the job and was able to tell him. And it was like more money I've ever seen ever in my life. And he, at that point, convinced me to stay in the relationship. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is comfortable. This is fine. And then being able to move into my own place in San Francisco and being away from him, I realized, oh, I can't do this. It felt like fate. I felt like I could actually start my life, my journey of becoming an adult and creating my own friendships and my own path without someone telling me or controlling my choices in some weird way. Completely. Mm -hmm. So then what happened the first time that you felt like you were in love? It was so random. I hadn't been in a relationship in a couple of years, barely dated. I was just working and I was on my delayed after high school Euro trip with my best friend that I grew up with. We went to Paris and Amsterdam and we ended up going to Rome for two days and we went to this bar and I met this guy, my future boyfriend. And it was a whirlwind. Like we just talked and we started texting and then we were like, we want to see each other again. And then we ended up three weeks later meeting up in New Orleans because I love New Orleans. And he was like, this is a good meeting point from California to Italy. And Is he Italian? He's Italian. He's a like proper Roman guy. And <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I'm insane. I'm going to go meet this random Roman that I met in a bar in New Orleans for five days. But this is so fun. This is who I am. And I'm just a crazy person who loves, you know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went and we had an amazing time and we fell in love. I thought on that trip, I was like, oh, my God, I am so deeply, madly in love with him. And he went back to Rome. I went back to work in San Francisco and we somehow made it work. Like I was able to afford to like travel to go see him on my time off and I would be able to stay with him for like a month at a time and he would visit me and it never felt like we were in a long distance thing because we would see each other so frequently. And then my birthday is March 6th. So we'd been dating for like, oh no, like six months. <laughs> we met in the summer of 2019, dated for six months. I go to visit. I'm going to celebrate my birthday with the love of my life. And I'm going to meet his family for the first time and meet all of his friends. And just, it's going to be incredible. And then be there for two weeks and then I'll go home and settle back in in LA because I was done filming. And then the pandemic happened and <laughs> it was such high stakes at that time. In Italy. In Italy. Like I was in Rome for six months, but me and my ex were in this apartment together just us two. And in Italy, you weren't allowed to leave your apartment without papers. Like they actually had police out. It was a proper lockdown. And if we wanted to go grocery shopping, the police would check the paper saying this. And obviously I couldn't go outside. 
This wasn't just lockdown. This was house arrest. Yeah, this was, I was in house arrest. And at first it was amazing because we'd been living apart for six months. Like, oh my gosh, we get to play house. And then reality kind of sinks in. Sure, yeah. We spent a hundred days together without touching a sidewalk. We had groceries dropped off in front of our door. We didn't go outside. So there was a lot of passionate fights and a lot of passionate, you know, and it was just a lot of passion. And it felt like we were in a relationship for five years in those six months. But it was overall beautiful. It was a beautiful time. And I loved it. And I fell more in love with him. And I felt like we really got through something together. And then September or October rolls around. I go back to Los Angeles and he stays in Italy and we make it work for another year. But we were just at different times in our lives and we wanted different things and the distance was too hard and we're different industries. And there was a lot of misunderstanding of what I do for a living and romance on screen and having to kiss other people. And there was this disconnect of our lifestyles. And he was really an incredible guy. And it was like the first healthy-ish, I think it was healthy-ish relationship I'd been in in a while. But I was ready to be single. I think I realized I didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. The world had opened up and I'm still so young. I'm not ready for something this serious. Like I need to explore. And then I told myself I'd be single for a long time. And now I'm in another relationship. So... I really love it, though, that as you were talking about the Roman, you did have a smile on your face. That is kind of a wonderful way to talk about that experience. Yeah, it was fun. That's nice that your takeaway is still like a degree of joy. And like, I love that. Absolutely. So, Alicia, are you ready to give advice or attempt to? I will attempt. I don't know if it'll be any good, but let's go. I'm always with you with this. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Allie, this is Alicia, and she is just marvelous. Will you tell us what's going on? Absolutely. Okay. So me and my husband, we started dating when we were 16. And so we've obviously been through quite a bit over the years. And one of the, like the bigger hurdles we hit was during my college years, 
I developed a pretty severe eating disorder and it was pretty rough for like a year or two. And then things started to improve, but still my focus for a really long time was always on my body image and things like that until actually in the summer of 2020, I had my son and that just sort of the big event I needed to shift my focus from like the way I appear and the way I look to other people to it's all about him. Like, that's all I care about. Is he happy? Is he healthy? All that. So that was really awesome. But after having kids, I put on a little bit of weight, nothing crazy, but that's just how it goes. So fast forward to Christmas time that year, my mother-in-law called my mom to kind of see what I might want for Christmas. So my mom was like, you know, she could really use some more clothes. And my mother-in-law said, you know, I don't really think I'm going to do that because I'm pretty sure Allie's just not happy with the way she looks right now. So I don't want to buy her clothes for a gift. I'll figure something else out. So initially my mom was like trying to protect me, really didn't tell me that that happened. But later on, I had kind of mentioned to her that my mother-in-law made a comment about going to the gym. And I'm like, seems like she's kind of focused on like the way I look. And my mom's like, oh God, the thing at Christmas and now this. And I'm like, what thing at Christmas? So then my mom's like, oh darn, I put my foot in my mouth and kind of had to tell me what happened. So I was like really hurt because she's known me all these years. She saw me at my worst and knew how upset I was over my weight. And so for her to say something so like hurtful was really upsetting. And then I told my husband about it. And he kind of was like, you know, she didn't mean it. She wouldn't have said something just to hurt you like that. And I don't know why your mom said anything to you. And I'm like, that shouldn't really be the focus here. Mm. But then shortly after that, I found out I was pregnant again. So 13 months after my first son, I had another son. And again, that was awesome, but just didn't snap back to my original size and came to the realization like, that's just how it's going to be. I'm never going to be the size I was, but that's okay. So then just three weeks ago, we got my younger son baptized and I'm just kind of getting settled in, getting ready. And my mother-in-law comes over and says, oh gosh, Allie, I love your dress. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And I was like, it's actually my mom's, which is awesome because now we're almost the same size so we can share clothes. She goes, oh yeah, you know, that happens when you get pregnant and you have babies, you really tend to put on some weight and you know, you're not the size you once were, but that's all right. And I'm like, you're right. It's all right. Why are you saying something to me? Like what? And so now I've got to get up in front of this crowd of people. And all I can think is, oh God, you look so awful in your dress in front of all these people. But luckily when this happened, my husband's in earshot. So I know he heard what she said to me. And so we get in the car and I mean, he just seemed more annoyed that I was upset than annoyed that his mother had said something like that. So I guess my question is, how do I keep my relationship with my mother-in-law positive? And also, how do I impress upon my husband that I kind of wish he could protect me in the way he defends her? 100%. I really appreciated your letter because your mother-in-law is clearly fluent in the language of passive aggressiveness Mm. and like undercutting. (laughs) Exactly. And your husband is probably used to it. And yet it sucks that he doesn't understand that it stings and it also makes you feel alone. Right. Like he's usually my best friend, like my go-to person. And he's just kind of like, oh, let it go. When it comes to parents, people get all wonky. Mm -hmm. Alicia, do you have thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's just so hurtful because they were with you throughout your experience of struggling. Exactly. It's so heartbreaking And I think where my mind goes is if I were in your shoes, I would tell my mother-in-law, it is so extremely hurtful to me when you bring up 
my weight or how I look because I am happy with how I look and I don't need extra comments. I don't need outside noise because I've done so much work to get to the place where I am. And someone who loves me as you do, right? you should want to support that and upkeep that instead of bringing me back to that toxic thought pattern I had. Exactly. Because I really was surprised. Yeah, that's so shocking. I really was surprised by how it was just like that, like a shift to, I don't even care about this anymore. Like, I feel like I had to lie to myself before now and be like, you're fine. You look great. You're doing awesome. And now like I had finally hit a point where I'm like, I actually feel that way. I feel like I'm happy in my new body. I'm happy with my life. So exactly to be reduced to your value is always just going to be in the way you look. I'm like, ugh, it stings. It's so generational, too. Yes. A certain generation thinks that it's just fine to critique this thing because they can solve it. Or it shouldn't hurt their feelings. Mm. Like, it's just a little weight. Right. I know that's how they justify their cattiness. And it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how to have the conversation, I guess. And maybe that's something you can help with, too, is how do I bring it up and say, like, this is hurting me? I don't want it to be then my husband's in the middle. And I kind of feel like now I know where his allegiance would lie. I think your husband, he's already proven himself to be oblivious in this matter. And he's totally numb to it and adjusted to it. And he just is placating like that's mom. Mm -hmm. So I think that actually any further discussion with him at this point will only make you feel more alone. So unfortunately, I really think that you should call her. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, handle her with kid gloves. So you are so innocent. Mm-hmm. Like killer with kindness, mm-hmm. like lay it on yeah. thick. <laughs> right. So right. she can't fault you. So she can't run off and say to somebody, oh my God, Allie's totally overreacting. I didn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. You got to coat this. And then you say, you know, this has been really rattling around in my brain. And I don't know how much she knows, but connect the past with her. Right. And just say, I know that you might think this is not a big deal at all, but it really tapped into something for me. And I want to always be close to you. And so I want to tell you that this really stung. Right. Allie, how does this all sound to you? I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the only way to do it so that there's no ammunition for letting this drag out longer. Like you said, if I just say it in the nicest way possible. And I think if I say nothing, I would just implode and it'll just continue. Yeah. You have to have this conversation. Yeah. And hopefully that'll minimize the amount that my husband's put in the middle because I can definitely sympathize with that being close to my own mom. I would have a hard time if I were in his shoes, I guess. Maybe talk to your mom one more time before you call. Yeah. And kind of chew it over with her about this. Agreed. The important thing about this conversation, though, you don't have to go into specifics. Like if she tries to get you like, well, what are you talking about? I don't even remember saying that. Just say, maybe you don't. I just want to remind you that this was painful and I always want to be close to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. This is what I needed to hear for sure. Good. We have your back. Thank you so much, Anna. I know your husband does too. He just doesn't know how to do this right now. Yes. But he will. He'll figure it out. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to shoulder this for a minute. Right. And thank you, Alicia, so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Allie. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, you too. Bye, guys. Bye.
That was so good. That was amazing advice. Oh, thanks. I was listening. I feel like I'm getting advice. I'm so unqualified for this. I really do love a wedding call and I love a mother-in-law call. Yes. Because I'm on my third and final marriage. (laughs) I know the whole thing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Hi, Simi. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are We're you? Great. Simi, thank you so much for your letter. I'm here with Alicia, who is lovely. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So I recently broke up with my ex, who I was dating for three and a half years. It was a very toxic relationship, and he had an alcohol abuse issue. I felt very unsafe, and I felt like I needed to separate myself from that situation. Which was hard because, you know, I thought that was the person I was going to spend my life with and it just didn't turn out that way. And then I ended up meeting this really nice guy on Hinge who actually, because I'm a teacher, he taught at the middle school that filters into the high school that I work at. So he knows a bunch of my students, which was really crazy and fun to talk about with him. But he's planning to move to Chicago in the next year or two to go for his master's and teach out there. So he's kind of been saying, I don't want to get attached, but also I really like you and spending a lot of time with me and like telling his family about me and kind of sending mixed signals. And then the other piece that I want to talk about is I'm very close with my family. I mentioned in one of my letters that my mom passed away in 2020, but we're super tight knit. Even though we live far apart from each other, I talk to them every day. But my dad, when I broke up with my ex, he's like, you shouldn't date anybody for six months to a year. And it hasn't been that long since I met this new guy. And so I want to tell him about him. But I also don't know when's the right time because I feel like he's going to judge me or tell me I shouldn't be seeing anybody. But it's hard for me to hide it from my dad because we are so close. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I don't like it, see me that you don't feel prioritized yeah. by this new guy. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Is that correct? I think that he is just like afraid of commitment. Because he's been very upfront with me and he's told me since pretty early on that I'm the only girl that he's talking to and hanging out with. So I'm not really worried about other women in the picture. 
it's more like I'm just kind of working on myself also setting boundaries and not getting attached because I'm a nurturer, I'm a giver, and I want to take care of everybody. And he's actually been really good about like setting boundaries because he just also moved into his own place and he was living with his family for a while after college and very supported. And so he's kind of entering a new phase of really trying to be independent as well. And so he's been good about saying, I don't want to be dependent on you. And I think he's felt dependent on women in the past. And I appreciate that because I'm totally the person who's like, let me cook and clean and take care of you and do everything for you. But that's also not good for me because then I don't take care of myself. Mm. So I appreciate that he has kind of set that boundary. But, you know, there's in the back of my mind, like wanting to have that relationship conversation but worrying that it's not going to be reciprocated in the way that I want. That's completely fair to think about. Do you feel like you guys want the same thing out of your relationship? I do. I mean, the great thing is like we're both teachers Mm -hmm. and with the teacher shortage across the globe, I mean, you can literally teach anywhere. And now that I'm not bound to Michigan because I was really mainly here for my ex because he owned a restaurant here. He was very rooted here. And I'm not from here. I'm from South Carolina. So now that I'm not bound here, even before I met the new guy, I was like, okay, I wouldn't mind going somewhere else once I finish my master's program. But I also love the school that I'm at. It's an basically all Latino population and I'm half Puerto Rican. So I love my students and I don't know if I would want to leave that in the next year or two. So I'm still kind of grappling with what do I want for the future? But he has expressed to me, he wants to travel and he wants to pursue his higher education, which... I appreciate because most of the guys I've been with haven't had that motivation. They've been more work-driven and not necessarily school-driven. So I like that we're kind of in the same place with our values. But Simi, are you getting the sense that when you speak about boundaries, when he talks about like, well, I may be going to Chicago in the next year or two, do you get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, that he is preemptively saying, I'm not sure we are calling each other boyfriend, girlfriend at this point? In a way, I would say yes, but also when I've brought it up nonchalantly, he has been very like, I just want to take it slow and like see where it goes. So like there is that little bit of hope, like, well, maybe we would end up being together in a relationship. I don't like it when adults say that. Yeah, I know. It's kind of keeping you on a leash and giving you expectations. And then when you ask clear questions, giving a roundabout answer is never, is never comforting, which is probably why you feel a bit unsure because everything he's saying is not a real answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did kind of tell him that last night. You did? How'd it go? Well, I kind of said, you're giving me mixed signals right now Mm -hmm. because like he's appreciating me. He's appreciating all the little things that haven't been appreciated in the past. And so I'm like, okay, that's great. And you're thanking me and being really sweet to me. But then you're also leaving me on my toes. And I was like, this is confusing for me because you treat me like I'm your girlfriend. Yeah. Right. But I'm not. So what do you want from me? And he was like, well, it's still new. You know, we've only been hanging out for like a month. So he was like, I still just don't want to rush it. But I do really like you. And now that I'm aware of that, I'm glad that you told me. And I'll try to be cognizant and not give you mixed signals. So, but then, 
That's... <laughs> Still a mixed signal, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> if this is your first month of dating, you should be not so stressed out. It should be fun. Yeah. You know, like it should be a good feeling. I did kind of tell him that a couple of weeks ago, there was one day where I was starting to catch myself feeling stressed. And I was like, I don't want to be stressing over a guy. I spent three and a half years stressing over a guy. Yeah. And I told him, and it was right before we were starting back at school with the students. And that's already a big stressor for me. And I was just kind of trying to tell him how I felt that night. I wasn't trying to make any strong decisions. I was like, I'm just kind of feeling a little overwhelmed. And, you know, you said you don't want to get attached. And I feel like I am getting attached. And now I feel like we should take a step back. And then he got really I don't know if he was hurt or reserved. And then he was like, okay, like, are you saying you want space? And I was like, I don't know. And then like 20 minutes later, I texted him. I was like, actually, like, I am very interested in you. And I think I was really in my feels because I had just like had a therapy appointment, like a lot going on in my head. And I was like, I probably should have processed that first before I just unloaded. And then he was like, well, I just need like a few days to myself. So I'm like over here. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to ghost me. But then he actually like took a couple of days and then he did reach out and he was like, hey, I want to see you. I want to hang out with you. And then he told me, he was like, I just kind of needed time to process my feelings so that I didn't say anything in the heat of the moment that I would regret, which I actually appreciated that because in the past, the men I've been with were very irrational and quick to say really mean things without thinking it through. See me, I want somebody to be like holding you at night and saying, I love you so much. You are incredible. I'm so glad you're in my life. You smell so good. And he's doing all those things. But why the lack of definition then? I think because he was also recently hurt by somebody and also in a traumatic situation. And I think his guard is up. Alicia, Hmm. what do you think? I think that you, especially after being in a three-year traumatic relationship, you deserve someone who doesn't leave you asking questions, Mm -hmm. where you feel safe and there is a sense of stability. And the signals he's giving you, it feels like it's selfish because he wants to be close to you without having to commit. Mm -hmm. And that's very unfair and you don't deserve that. That's what I think. I don't like it that he's established an exit plan. Yeah. That's vague. Well, I mean, he had that on his Hinge profile. It wasn't even like he just said that to me, the Chicago thing. Mm. See me, I don't mean to attack him. I don't know him. But I do want you to be loved the way you want to be loved. Mm. And I can tell that you are an amazing teacher because you see the best in people And you are a nurturer, so it's natural for you to want to be in a relationship with someone that you can take care of, someone that you can spend time with. That is so normal, and it's a beautiful quality that you have. And I want that to be valued. And sometimes we have to kind of retrain ourselves a little bit to learn how to be loved the way we want to be loved. So your dad may have a point there. And I do want to explore that. Like, it took me till I was 40 to accept a really, really generous love. Hmm. I want you to do exactly what you want to do with this relationship included, Hmm. but your happiness being the goal. And if this person is not loving you the way that you want to be loved, if you find yourself wanting more answers, I think you should tell him. Hmm. And I think... If that's something that you want, 
then you have every right to ask for a definition, no matter the time, really. And I think you deserve a clear answer when you ask a clear question. You don't think there's like a specific amount of time to wait to like be in a relationship when you're dating somebody? I think it depends. I mean, you guys have been intimate. You've seen a lot of each other. I don't ever want you to feel like this is a waiting game with him. Mm. Well, here's what I think. He was saying that a lot more in the beginning. And then I would say more recently, because he's not working at a school right now. He's working for Ford to save up money. And in the beginning, he was like, yeah, I'm going to probably leave Ford in a year to go to Chicago. More recently, he's been talking about, well, maybe I'll stay at Ford in another year, kind of implying that he wanted to stick around. And I don't know if that's just for saving money or what. So it does still leave me confused. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think he is just like playing it. I don't know. But it sounds like you're really close to your dad. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you should give him the opportunity If you should say, Dad, I know that you told me not to date. You know me better than anybody, but I did. And I really like this guy. And we haven't really established the terms of our relationship. And that is leaving me kind of confused. And it makes me think, kind of, what do I do? How would you feel about that, Simi, about the idea of talking to your dad about that kind of personal thing? I've been grappling with it a lot. I bet he'd be honored. Yeah. I think he would. Uh. Oh, Simi, I'm sorry. Was it your mother? I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. Just like she was my person. Of course. And you would have asked her. Right, exactly. And I have confided in my dad a lot more since she passed and we have grown a lot closer. Like, I do want to talk to him about it. And there's been so many times when I'm on the phone with him and I'm like, I really want to tell him right now. I don't want to feel like I'm hiding anything from him. But I also just like, I don't know if I can handle the judgment because my last relationship was so filled with judgment and criticism. It's just a lot for me. Just the relationship itself. Right. I mean, my dad, he's very understanding. And I think you're right. I think if I did talk to him, he probably would respond well. He knows you better than anybody. It is time to explore a deeper relationship, perhaps, with your dad. I think you load it up top by saying, Dad, I'm feeling kind of vulnerable. I really want your advice. I can't handle like too much critique of what's been happening in my life right now, but I really love you and I really want to talk to you about this, about this man. Mm -hmm. I bet he would hear you. I'm sure he misses your mom Mm -hmm. a ton. And this can be an opportunity for you two to get closer. Then next week when something confusing happens with the guy, You can call your dad and you maybe could open up this awesome, honest dialogue with your dad that you had with your mom. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's also an opportunity of saying like, God, I would have gone to mom with this, but um, you're the next best thing, (laughs) Paul. Yeah, I do. I would like to have that type of conversation with him. It would be such a beautiful moment. You'd be so honored to hear that. And he'll be able to gauge... Like if you're convincing yourself Mm -hmm. that you like want to make a bad thing work or if there's truth in it, Mm -hmm. I think it seems like a beautiful opportunity to get closer to your dad. Thank you. I think you're right. (laughs) I love you. And I'm thinking about you. Thank you, Anna and Alicia. It's so sweet. Thank you, Simi, for sharing everything. And I think that conversation with your dad is so important to have. And 
could be a really beautiful next step in both your grieving process and your personal relationship. It would help him, for yeah. sure. Thank you. I think you're right. Well, I love you both, and thank you for taking the time. So much love. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Alicia, I so appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 